Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. After a few weeks off with some hectic finals, my room flooding, and a bunch of other uh, emergency situations seemingly popping up at the same time, we had to take a break from recording, which we apologize for, but we're officially back, and this week we're going to be talking about stoic joy. Um, we were kind of discussing, obviously, Mateo's back in Colorado. It's been great catching it's up. It's, it's cold here. But but we've uh, been reflecting on our college semesters and our college experience, and one common theme that I have both been thinking about since I've gotten back and had some time to sit down and ponder, and what I kind of noticed in our conversation is the the concept of joy and the concept of things being joyful versus joyless and how kind of stoic stoic joy may be like an oxymoron because the stoics rarely expressed outwardly externally joy but there's certainly a concept of stoic joy and it certainly is very important to the school of philosophy right so like you said we're back um after like two weeks off it was a busy week but we closed out the semester as strong as possible it wasn't a perfect semester, but it was an eventful semester to say the least. Both of our buildings experienced flooding this year. So there you go. There's that. But back to, right, so stoic joy. So it's sort of funny that we're doing an episode on joy in a time that wasn't necessarily the most joyful for us these past two weeks. But moving forward, I think a good starting point is to ask, where do stoics define that joy comes from? Like where do stoics find joy what does that mean to a stoic right so there's a few there's a few bullet points that i have listed out here so one is the acceptance of fate but not only the acceptance of fate but the acceptance of uh the present moment the acceptance of where you are in your path and it's like you we were talking about earlier it's about being content with your path your journey your process being having contentness in the present moment it also stems from virtuous living Right, So happiness and fulfillment come from the pursuit of a high standing character and the pursuit of a virtuous lifestyle. That will bring fulfillment because when you're content with your path, then you are sort of, I guess, it's are, it's going to lead you to live a more virtuous life as you aren't worried about the future. Um, also, staying away from seeking fulfillment in external circumstances, situations, people, possessions, etc., very common stoic practice happiness comes from within so you must take a deep dive inside to your purpose both seeking your purpose and then finding and understanding your purpose that that is what will bring stoic joy so seneca i'll start out he has a quote that says enjoy the present without anxious dependence on the future so the more we are looking out for happiness the further we stray away from it the more we are worried about the future the less content we are in the moment and less and therefore, the less happy we are in the moment. Right. And for me, when I talk about this issue, I think I start at kind of like a personal level and then I kind of apply the philosophy later. But I was thinking, and this is derived purely from my college experience, about how like there is a distinct lack of joy felt in college and how this lack of joy, at least for me and then for some people that I have talked to go to the same school, going through the same kind of tough academic schedule, going through the ups and downs roller coaster motions of college is that 
the the difference between us being happy, being content, having some joy in high school versus college is in high school you have time to do the things that give you purpose, the things that you enjoy, the things that you like to do. Because college is the same as high school where academia, especially your first semester, is general ed classes, like classes that you may or may not need to know how to do those things for your career in the future. And so it's the same thing as high school where you don't really have a choice. You don't take classes that you're maybe 100% invested and interested in. But the difference between college and high school is the workload. And so that that time, those two hours you had, um, to apply to my example, those two extra hours I'd have in high school to work on the podcast, edit the podcast, do something for the podcast, now are devoted to school. And the issue that is derived from that is that school at times, we've we previously released an unscripted episode kind of devaluing a higher education, the college experience. It's become increasingly less worth it. And it's, it's a time filler. So, you know, you, you go to the college and you say, well, I have to get a degree because, you know, employers require a degree. And so that's why I'm here at this four-year experience. So I can get this piece of paper that says that I can work and get a good, decent job that pays a livable wage. And while there's nothing purely wrong with that, A, first of all, that's happening less and less in our society with higher education. And B, when you're somebody who kind of wants to do their own thing, think outside of the box, which is what I characterize myself as, the college experience, the higher academia, the education system in America doesn't really welcome that. So when you have all this time filler of things that don't really appeal to you, but then ruin the time that you previously had for activities that gave you kind of that purpose, then there's that feeling of a lack of joy, of kind of joylessness in a sense. And you were just expressing, returning to the philosophy about how purpose is related to joy. Purpose is the root of joy because we can notice a distinct trend of when people do not have a distinct purpose, which is what we argue a lot of our generation has, then you have record levels of mental illness. You have people who struggle to get out of bed in the morning when there's really nothing too terrible happening in their lives, and we just kind of normalize that. That's because we've normalized the lack of purpose. And so that's the first step in terms of just establishing what joy is to a Stoic, is again, purpose. We seem to mention purpose quite often. Um, It's something that's both important to me through the lens of Stoicism and my personal life. And building purpose is kind of the end-all, be-all. Because when you wake up in the morning... The difference between you waking up and your first thought being, oh, it's another day for me to go change the world in this avenue that I've set out my purpose to be, there's a huge difference between that and then just waking up just to wake up. There's a huge difference level in motivation. There's a huge difference level in just um, pure happiness, and that's where we derive the joy from it, is that when you're walking around kind of aimlessly, just going from thing to thing that seems cool, you don't find belonging, you don't find purpose, you don't find what you're doing is making a real impact. And then as a result, mental illness follows or things follow that make you a less productive human being, somebody who is kind of encumbered in all of these issues and you can't experience true joy if that's your state of being, your state of mind all the time. And so what the Stoics argued in Seneca in specific, as he had numerous letters in his letters from a Stoic where he talked purely about joy, and what they expressed is that, you know, when you find that purpose, when you find that motivation then values come with it and so many other things come with it so that all of a sudden you start living this life that provides you joy because joy is purely internal. And so I kind of did the reverse structure of what you just outlined. But when we ask where does joy come from and, you know, how do we get that? It starts with you Um, because 
that's ultimately your guide to happiness is you're the only person who knows what makes you happy. You're the only person who can develop that sense of purpose that's able to kick you in the butt when you need to be kicked in the butt and get you out of bed and able to do those types of things. And the difference in being joyous is the difference in whether or not you have that. You have that gut motivation that, you know, propels you internally to do those great things and then feel good about them. It's an internal cycle that I think um, we have kind of de-emphasized. And it's something that's that's why we're talking about it today is it's kind of been the college experience for both of us in some way, shape, or form in terms of when you kind of get knocked back by change and then you lose your sight, your long-term vision, your purpose for a while, then there starts to be a distinct lack of joy, a distinct lack of happiness. And while many people will call that kind of like, you know, like a depressive episode or something like that, I think it truly just is kind of a reminder. I think we kind of make it negative when we're not experiencing joy for a certain amount of time. But sometimes, and I'm not saying it's every time, um, it's maybe rare even, it, it serves not as like a negative kind of just sad thing, but a reminder that, hey, that's why purpose is so important. And I think that's the way that the Stoics would frame it, and that's where we kind of get the concept of Stoic joy from. And to build off your point with purpose, when you lack purpose and you're living a life that is very unfulfilling, you start to distract yourself, right, with instant gratification or just the cheap the cheap boost of dopamine to keep you happy every once in a while and to keep you distracted, right? I mean, you've got you've got shows, you've got video games, you've got YouTube, all the, the things that are meant to capture your attention and keep you pulled in. And so oftentimes when you're so distracted, it's hard to understand that you are living purposelessly because you are so distracted by this, you know, very quick, very reoccurring, easily accessible you know, fake artificial happiness that it's hard to actually tell if you're living without purpose. And it was interesting that you said, building off what you said about once you sort of find that purpose slash motivation, um, one, it is intrinsic. It is purely intrinsic. Yes, you can have external motivators, but those are only temporary, right? You see an inspirational video from, I know we use David Goggins as an example all the time. You see a inspirational video from him or a quote here, a quote there. Yes, that is external motivation, but that is only temporary. And motivation, as soon as that fades and you're left with nothing, then you that means you have no purpose. So when the motivation fades, as long as you have a purpose, that's when you can keep moving forward. Even when you have a purpose and you have a clear, distinct vision of who you are and what you want to be, the things you want to do, it's still not going to be easy. But that is exactly where when I said being accepting and being content of your path, your journey, and your process, that is how you're still able to remain quote joyful when things get rough because even it's not it'd be a fallacy to say that once you find your purpose life just runs smoothly and you're never depressed clearly not true life will throw anything at you and it seems almost once you find your purpose things get more difficult at first right so accepting your path and accepting the journey accepting the hardship is where you also learn to be joyful but that comes after once you sort of establish your purpose I'd also like to go off on a sort of a different note. I have a, I have a quote from Epictetus that says, this is a very famous quote, and we've referenced this many times in the past, but it says, no man is free who is not a master of himself. Well, what makes humans free, or what makes humans joyful is freedom, is what I sort of came to the consensus, right? We enjoy being free. We don't like being restricted, held down. We enjoy having the freedom to do whatever we want. That's human nature. So I came to the conclusion that if you if you fail to master your mind, you're going to be unhappy because you're not going to be free. If mastering your mind allows you to be free, then mastering, mastering your mind allows you to be happy. 
So while yes, finding your purpose is very important to finding what the Stoics would consider to be joy, mastering and conquering your own mind is equally as important because if you are constant, your life and your choices are dictated by your impulses, your emotions, and external factors, you aren't free to anything. You are simply a slave to these desires, these impulses, and you will not find true fulfillment, true uh, a true way of virtuous living, and therefore you will not actually find joy. So there's there's a couple things that I, I can add on there. I think when we talk about purpose, which we've discussed a lot, um, a kind of new analogy I came up for this week that I, I, I enjoy is that you're correct in saying that, you know, purpose is not everything. Purpose is not kind of like the, um, you either have it or you don't and you can't be successful. And But if you have it, it's just automatically successful. The way that I view purpose is kind of a rock, right? It's a rock that you can hold on to because in an age where like there's, you know, so much going on, you're constantly overwhelmed because you have access to news, you know, social media, everything, just one click of a button you kind of get overwhelmed in a sense in terms of there's so many possible distractions towards your purpose that it's very honestly excusable and easy for you to get distracted and get knocked off course. But having that purpose is your rock in that kind of wave of just information and distractions. The difference between having purpose and not is if you don't have a purpose, you don't have anything to cling to as you're just kind of swimming through all this information this kind of just instant gratification stuff that grabs your attention. You don't have a rock to grab onto. You're just going to constantly wade through all of that kind of mud and not find anything really meaningful versus if you have purpose, yes, you're going to get knocked off the rock from time to time because, you know, the wave's just too strong and you kind of fall into this kind of cycle where you're kind of off course for a while. But eventually you at least have something to cling to. You stick an arm out and there's the rock and you can cling to the rock. You can climb back on top and now you're on top of your purpose. That's kind of the analogy that I've thought of this week, and it seems very, very kind of appropriate to the situation that we find ourselves in trying to apply the Stoic philosophy in such a digital age. That's kind of the analogy that I like to use. And then there were, there were two quotes that I kind of touch on from Seneca that um, really sum up what you were saying. The first being that for men who leap from one purpose to another, or do not even leap but are carried over by a sort of hazard, how can such wavering and unstable persons possess any good that is fixed and lasting? And you were discussing how in this age of social media, right, we, we just scroll, we scroll one motivational video after another. And so we can find this like temporary motivation for 30 seconds, but it kind of becomes mind numbing at a time. And there's kind of some observations I've made from deleting my social media the past couple of weeks and then reorganizing my phone that have made me realize just kind of how addictive social media is. If you ever delete Snapchat, I, I've done... I'm very bad at deleting Snapchat and then saying, oh, I forgot to tell this person this. I need this to happen. Like, that's um, that's something that happens quite frequently to me. And when this happens and I delete Snapchat and it's gone, I automatically, when I open my phone, my thumb goes immediately to that spot where that app was. Muscle this, memory. That's yeah, happened to me so many times. And that happens so many times. The ironic thing for me, though, is is I delete stuff from my phone all of the time. And the only time where I do that, the only time where muscle memory kicks in is when it's social media. I delete a game or something. I delete some sports app. I don't, I don't click there. I don't go look for it again. But I delete social media. And literally the second I delete social media, muscle memory kicks in and I need to go get it. 
And then the second observation is the same thing happens even when I still have social media, but I'll reorganize my apps. The same thing happens. And so it's just kind of imprinted on us. And then yet another one that I thought was really funny, and this is kind of a tangent, is um, a lot of situations have been going on within my personal life. And so I'm thinking about these situations and kind of in a neutral space. And then I literally open social media, see something, and I laugh and I forget about what I'm thinking about. But then in that moment, I realized, wow, what a serotonin boost this is. Like what a psychologically how kind of dependent this is and how much of a you know temporary good thing it is for me. And so that that's coming from me who's somebody who I feel like is pretty well versed in the negative effects of social media. Obviously, I'm not an expert, but I've read quite a bunch of studies, done my own research on it, like looked into things. But for me to like still be in that mindset where like, that happens to me. It just shows how addictive social media is. And now those kind of cool observations, at least in my opinion, cool observations that I noticed this week around social media. After that tangent, the all of that kind of goes to show just how addictive and how short-term fulfilling that is in terms of you, you can just pick up your phone, click a button, and it's funny videos. And it's videos that like you don't have to think about the problems going on in your life because look at what this cute dog's doing or something like that. And nothing against the cute dog, but wouldn't you much rather instead of just sitting on the couch filling up your mind with things that you know distract you from your problems wouldn't you rather go out and just tackle those problems so you don't have to worry about them that's the difference between you know purpose in our generation and the people who don't have purpose and who are fine just sitting on the couch you know oh i did my nine to five job oh i did school oh i'm gonna go sit on my couch and watch tiktok for three hours that's 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 good living um there's always the cliche of like when when we die um, we're not going to be on our deathbed saying, oh, I wish I scrolled more on social media. And I think about that a lot. And I think about how for our generation, that's maybe not true. I'm starting to think maybe that's not true. And then we wonder why people don't feel joy. And we wonder why people kind of have that mental illness. And it's because we just have this cycle of just fulfill your kind of short-term needs and maybe stuff out the negative thoughts, stuff out the situation that you need to handle. But you don't have to because you can use these distractions. And purpose again returning to my original analogy is kind of how we do that because then we have something to cling to because you know okay I can either go sit on my phone and scroll and just do these things that aren't productive for two hours or I can go to the gym or I can you know I can go hang out actually hang out with people or I can go you know volunteer or something anything anything that is more productive than I will sit on my couch I will watch tv and again you know I say these things and I think it's good to acknowledge that we also do these things. Like I still sit on my phone and I will scroll from time to time. I still watch TV, obviously. Um, it's kind of hard not to. But the difference kind of is, is that there's points in time where you're able, I am able to take a step back and I say, you know what, this is dumb. I'm going to actually go do something with my day. And the sad reality is there's there's a large portion of our generation and there's going to be a large portion of the generation following us who can't do that who think that it's genuinely okay, it's a productive lifestyle to, you know, go get paid enough to, like, pay rent and food and then just, you know, kind of stuff your face with unhealthy food and unhealthy living styles and unhealthy things that, and think that's a, you know, that's a productive lifestyle. And sure, by the numbers, by the paper, right, you can pay for rent, you can pay for food, you can pay for water, and that's a productive living. But that's also a joyless living. And so... That's that's how we tie in purpose into like the real world with social media, the digital age. That's how we tie in purpose to that is that there's a wave out there of this kind of just 
unproductive lifestyle. And we're not saying that, you know, you have to be 100% productive all the time. It's unrealistic and it's unhealthy. But being a net positive in terms of productivity is the end goal. And the way that you do that is even when you're, you know, awash in YouTube shorts or TikToks or reels, all of that, you eventually have a sentence or something like a person, something that's motivation to get you to that purpose. And that purpose drives you off the couch, drives you off the bed, drives you somewhere to where you are a net positive when it comes to productivity. And so that's why it's that rock. It's funny you say that is about productivity is there were, this isn't necessarily related to joy, but it's certainly related to purpose. When it came to finals, you know, college students hear finals and they're like, oh God, that means staying up till two, three in the morning studying, right? And, you know, for me, I was, I was curious how this was going to turn out because every final I had in high school was a breeze. You don't study. At least we didn't really study. You look over and you look over a couple notes and you call it a day. If that. Now, Ren shaking his head for those of you who aren't watching our YouTube, but but the point is is so I walk into this coffee shop that I work at on camp that I used to work at on campus, right? And um these people that I saw earlier, they said, Oh dude, like I have so much finals to study for, I have so much work to do, so many finals I need to work on, I'm gonna be up forever. So I walk into this coffee shop. And they're all on their phones right in front of their computers, like scrolling or texting. And I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, an expert on human behavior, but I would assume that texting is not studying for finals, right? So it's sort of ironic the the excuses that we make when we don't necessarily have our purpose lined up. And how, how does, you know, not studying or procrastinating studying for finals, how does that tie back into purpose? Well, is as a person, if your purpose is to, in any field, you know, to work your way up and to be one of the like one percenters in your field, well, then automatically that productivity is going to come with that because no person in a high level, you know, high level position is going to be unproductive. So it's sort of the identity you choose to align yourself with. It's the traits. As soon as you start practicing being that person and aligning yourself with that person's purpose, what a person of high value or high position would do, the attributes are going to come with. So productivity, honesty, integrity, etc. So it's interesting too. You know how, especially today, the interest rates are crazy and more uh, of our generation lives with their parents, you know, until they're older than ever before because mortgage rates are so high, it's hard to buy houses, it's hard to rent. Also, if you notice in today's generation, our productivity is also drastically decreased. So it's certainly no coincidence, right, that yes, mortgage rates are high, it's very hard to afford a house, but also people are being less and less productive and doing less and less with their day at a time. So it sort of sets you apart if you can be productive in today's day and age where it's so easy to get distracted. If you can manage to set your phone down or put it on do not disturb or grayscale your phone, whatever you know, five minute hack you have to do in order to be productive, if you can manage to incorporate that into your life so much that it becomes habit and it becomes your second nature, productivity is going to skyrocket. In any endeavor in which you choose, productivity will always uh, prevail to be probably one of the most important attributes. So if you're seeking purpose, understand that whatever you choose to do, you're going to have to be productive. You're going to have to work behind the scenes. You're going to have to do the work when nobody watches. You're going to have to be 
the person who has spent going the extra mile. We recently did an episode, I believe it was episode 11 was the 101% principle. And that was sort of emphasizing the importance of how bad do you really want something? And that ties perfectly back into purpose and being fulfillment or being fulfilled and being joyful is if your purpose, like you said, is a rock to lean onto. I want to go into this analogy real quick. So you said you can sort of lean back on it. You can sort of, you know, grasp back onto this rock when you get knocked off. Imagine standing on top of this rock that you call your purpose. I sort of made an analogy in my head as you said this. So this is going to come out either really bad or really good. When you have a purpose, everything you do in your life, you sort of view through the lens of your purpose and what your goals are. If you have one goal, everything in your life, you're going to see it as helpful or not helpful or, you know, balance, right? So if you're standing on top of your rock or your purpose, everything you see is going to be aligned with what your purpose is. So the longer you stand on top of your rock, it's sort of similar to viewing everything exactly through the lens of what your purpose is, right? The more you look out, you're standing on top of this rock. That is exactly equivalent to every event you go through, every every single thing you do in your day, you're going to view it as how it's aligned with your purpose. Whether it's necessarily the first thing you think of or it's just in the back of your head all the time. Certainly, you know, I see people and it's it's sort of hard to, to not judge people. And I must say I need to get better at not judging people in today's society because I know what my purpose is, but I also know that I'm far from being perfect. And so it's easy to judge people that I... With I perceive to not be having a purpose, but there's always the uh, Marcus Aurelius quote that sticks in my mind that says, you know, before you judge someone else, think of uh, the flaw that you have that's equivalent to what they have, right? So don't judge someone if you're guilty of the same thing. But tying that back into purpose and being joyful, when you have established your purpose and you want it more than anyone else, tying it back to the 101% principle, and you're willing to go the extra mile, you will set yourself apart from people. And sometimes when you're so deep into the process, you're so deep into this journey of self-improvement and whatever endeavor you're choosing to embark on, it's hard to see the progress you've actually made until you really step back. And so I would encourage you to keep records in whatever you're doing, to keep uh, proc to track your progress, because looking back is what really allows you to see how far you've gone. It's hard when you're really focused on the present moment or even the future to see how far you've gone and so that that's what brings me fulfillment is and the celebrating the little wins the small steps the baby steps is when i keep track of my progress i can look back and say oh wow even a few months ago we were here look at our podcast for example right beginning of the year we had no idea what we wanted to be we kind of set some ambitious numbers and did we reach those numbers no but the numbers that we have reached within these first you know, 11 months have been amazing. And so looking back and celebrating the small wins, each new subscriber on YouTube, each new follower on Spotify, all of that is fulfilling because although it hasn't been a perfectly smooth road through this podcast, it's been fulfilling because we're following that rock, right? We stay true to that rock. We're swimming through, like you said, the mud, you know, the information, the world, society, but we're sticking close to our rock of purpose that's propelling us through, you know, a society that's easily where you're easily able to be distracted and thrown off course. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's a lot to unpack in what you said there. And I think one thing that was kind of missed is it's good to have like that numbers kind of purpose with the records you mentioned and keeping track and keeping yourself accountable. But I think another thing is mindset based and 
one of the things that you know stoic joy kind of defines is the ability to like be self-confident the ability to stand up for what you believe and i think that's something that's outlined very clearly in um kind of stoic's definition of joy um seneca has a quote where he's talking about you know where joy comes from um where human good comes from and he says it comes from a good conscience from honorable purposes from right actions from contempt of the gifts of chance from an even and calm way of living which treads about but one path and so you notice the common theme through all of those things are goodness right righteousness um you know just a calm demeanor really kind of virtuous person and so you know we've obviously talked a lot about purpose and so we can kind of move on from that but one of the results of purpose, right, is you start to make purposeful decisions. You start to make values-based decisions. And so, you know, while I agree that it's important to keep records and, you know, keep accountability, one mindset thing that is good to mention is the idea of confidence and the confidence in those decisions. Because it's very easy when you establish that purpose and you're getting going and so you're doing these things, right, and you're happy. If we want to use the gym, which it seems like like a broken record we always use, right, you're going to the gym for the first month ever consecutively and you go the entire month and you're proud of yourself for making that progress. You're proud of yourself for the, you know, probably minimal visual gains that you've made so far because it's your first month, but you're proud of the consistency. But then, and so there's that joy, right? There's that pure joy. And, you know, when you make such great accomplishments like that, for what, what I've noticed in my life, and I feel like it's the general human experience you kind of start to see everything through rose-colored glasses. Like, if you're really proud of yourself in one area, you're going to start to be prouder of yourself in other areas of your life. It kind of translates over. And so you're kind of going through that cycle. But then some person makes some very negative comment, questions what you're doing. And that's a that's a sticking point. That's a sticking point for me that, I, that um, we need to mention is that confidence. Confidence in those situations is part of the stoic joy. Because it's a joyful thing to be able to be very, very confident in your decisions and stand by them always. Um, that's a very stoic thing, and it's something that relates very closely to our definition of stoic joy. Is just that self-confidence derives itself from a place of, you know, you know what you value, what your purpose is, and you're going to stand by it. And that's a very powerful trait to have, and so that's why it's so joyful is because in that situation, right, where you went to the gym for a month consecutively – you're at that decision point where someone makes an extremely negative comment. Are you going to react negatively either by kind of going at them or are you going to react negatively by feeling like you're judged and then you stop being consistent or you let it ruin the joy that you've experienced from the first month at the gym? Or are you going to react positively and recall that joy, recall that purpose and say, you know, some kind of neutral remark, I don't know what it is, you know, kind of depends on what they say to you, but if they critique you for going to the gym, they say it's weird. You, just, you can just say, you know, it's weird for you, but I enjoy it or something like that. Something that's, you know, non-confrontational, something that's a positive reaction. And I think that's kind of where the second step of stoic joy comes in is when we said at, from the jump that it comes from within, that means are you going to let external factors, um, like Seneca talked about earlier in this letter, are you going to let external factors from the outside um, influence your joy or are you going to be able to find a constant source of joy which is only influenced by you? And the way that you do that, an aspect of that is confidence pure confidence in your ability to make the right decisions that align with your values. So that's why it's so important that we put such an emphasis on purpose and those values is it's kind of um, crucial for you to have that clearly defined well, something that works for you so that you're able to always defend it, uphold it, and act through it. Because 
when I read this quote again about what joy is, where Seneca says, good conscience, right? You're able to stand by your conscious decisions. It's something that comes from a place of goodness, um, from honorable purposes, right? Obviously purpose, from right actions, from contempt of the gifts of chance. You stand by your decisions. You don't get lucky, right? You make your own decisions. And from an even and calm way of living. So you don't get confrontational. Somebody makes something negative, let them be negative. You're positive. So this quote really closely aligns to what we're discussing here. And that's why Seneca is probably the stoic forefather of this concept of stoic joys because he wrote so much about it. And it clearly outlines here, right, that confidence and that ability to self-regulate is very, very crucial to joy because you're able to stand by all of those decisions and you're able to still be joyful with them even if people around you are being detractors, people around you are being naysayers. And so that's that's why it's important to kind of have that confidence is that you're not going to get knocked off the joy that you're experiencing because, again, it comes from within and the only way that it's going to stay kind of an internal factor is if you don't let external factors kind of affect you on that path. And that the way that you do that is what we define now as self-confidence. Right, and that almost exactly sort of ties into you know self-regulation exactly that quote from epictetus is mastering yourself so once you sort of master your ability to react to situations logically that is where self that's what self-regulation stems from right so once you master because you can't control everything that happens to you but you can control exactly how you react in every situation which makes you powerful if you have control over your reactions to any situation whether it's a negative comment or you know, someone trying to degrade you, degrade your progress, your reaction sort of dictates the next steps of that situation. So if you can be strong enough to self-regulate yourself, then you become a stronger and a more joyful person. Disallowing the external factors to affect you and to affect your day. And as a Stoic, you'll understand that usually uh, people, the only people that are going to critique you or not critique you, I would say the people that are going to talk bad about you in a negative light are people doing less. So you know that it's projection and you can sort of understand that and stay confident in your character, who you are and what your vision is. Another thing with confidence, I, this is my last piece, I would say, but being confident involves having a lot of experience or a lot of knowledge behind why you are confident. So I'll take this for example, you know, I, I'd be pretty confident and, ex and like you said, broken record, but it's a very great example. Um, I'd be very confident in teaching someone how to lift. Why? I have two and a half years of consistent lifting research under my belt. So you can't necessarily be confident in an opinion or in your ability if you don't have any experience or knowledge backing it up, right? And that's sort of where a lot of people, you know, they make a very bold claim and someone asks one question that gets sort of under the surface people don't know how to react but being confident in your purpose takes no experience at all being confident in who you are as a person all that takes is for you to defend what you believe in no matter what it doesn't take any so you can start being confident in your purpose today it doesn't matter if you've been doing it for one day or if you've been doing it for one year being confident in who you are and who your purpose all that takes is sticking true to your character and not allowing like you said an external factor to dictate your decision even if it was you versus 50 people if 50 people are telling you you're wrong you're still going to say you're right so that's sort of my closing piece on confidence and i thoroughly agree with you that confidence is equally as important to purpose when it comes to finding joy 
from a stoic perspective. Right, and, you know, another thing we can add to kind of the confidence thing is you also have the ability, the confidence to say no. You have the confidence to say no to things that take you off the path that, you know, do purpose. And, you know, part of making those right decisions is you kind of have to trust your gut. And there's a certain point where, you know, as a leader, right, you obviously have to take input of the people around you. That's what an effective leader does. But at the end of the day, the effective leader also takes that into account, reconciles that with his gut and his feeling, his or her gut feeling, and then they make the decision. And that's the sign of a confident, you know, strong leader. And that's also the sign of a confident, strong person, right, is that... You know, like you said, if there's 50 people telling you you're wrong, but, you know, you know in your heart of hearts that you are correct, and, you know, it's kind of like the bystander, not the bystander effect, but um, that effect where, you know... Groupthink. Groupthink, yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sure. Thank you for that. Psychology. Uh, AP Psych, yeah. yeah. My teacher's not going to be happy about that. But She won't see it. She doesn't watch our podcast anyway. That's unfortunate. Yeah, she makes fun of our podcast. Anyway, um... We're going to cut that. But anyway, um, so that concept of groupthink, you know, you're not going to you're not going to be somebody who falls victim to that. And it's very hard to do, but it's certainly humanly possible. And I think that confidence is the root factor behind that. And so as you walk through life, right, and you get faced with those kind of, you know, decision points where it's a crucial decision, like, you know, where are you going to go for college or are you going to go into college or, you know, what job are you going to take? You have to kind of reconcile, you know, obviously there's certain people's inputs who are going to matter most. And you should take those into account. But at the end of the day, I have true faith in most people's ability to say, I know myself, I know my situation. So this is the best decision that I'm going to make. And then you stick by it. And may you upset some people doing that? Certainly. Um, that's certainly a possibility. And it's certainly likely because you have to face a lot of those hard, tough decisions in your life that you're going to make some people upset when you make those decisions. But the reality is, is that your joy outweighs those people's disappointments because it's your life when you make those decisions. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that it's kind of tough for people to discuss and admit. But right when you are deciding something that is personal like that, and it's a tough decision, where am I going with my life? What path am I going to take at this certain junction in my life? It's your decision. And it's your joy that overweighs people's expectations, um, people's kind of advice, people's feelings. Mm -hmm. Your joy outweighs that because it's your life and it's your decision. And I think that's a key aspect of confidence as well as the realization and the self-awareness that, you know, while there are times where I need to put other people's needs ahead of my own, this is not one of those times when I'm making a very crucial decision that alters, you know, where I'm going with my life or what my path is, what my purpose is. Those are the times where you certainly need to emphasize yourself. And it's something that I think is really Stoicism did a great job about defining in terms of joy is that when we define joy as being all internal and then many, many schools of philosophy define happiness and joy as the purpose in life, we can kind of combine those two thought processes when we think about Stoicism in the modern age to think about how if the purpose of life right, is to be happy and, you know, we've obviously agree with the stoic definition of joy where stoicism comes from within, then all of that happiness, all of that joy comes from within and is the most important thing in life. So you should obviously prioritize well it said. as such. And 
I think that's kind of my concluding remarks around yep. confidence. And I think the final the final aspect of stoic joy that I'd I'd like to talk about is stoic joy is not necessarily cheerful. We started off I started off by saying earlier that, you know, stoic joy is kind of an oxymoron because stoics aren't like openly like happy and all content and joyful and it's an internal thing. And therefore the the result of that to kind of the external audience is not a cheerful joy. But stoic joy is more permanent because when we look at when we kind of define modern like you're just kind of textbook definition of joy, it seems almost temporary. Mm-hmm. It seems like, you know, when you're cheerful, you've got a celebration. This is a joyous celebration. It's a celebration, so it's got a time and a date on it. But when you look at stoic joy where it comes from within, it comes, you know, you define a purpose. You have, you know, these value-based decisions. You go to places that share these values, and then you develop this sense of confidence, self-awareness. You stand by these decisions, right? That's permanent. Those are traits. Those are actions. Those are behaviors that if you truly you know, make them a habit, they become permanent. And so that sense of joy that stems from them also becomes permanent. And it's so interesting, you know, that um, Seneca talked about this. He talks about how, you know, when the joy that he's talking about, the joy that he defines repeatedly in his letters to a Stoic is something solid. And it's something that kind of discloses itself to you. And it's something that's permanent. He says it will never fail you once you have found its source. And so, we as a podcast, you know, can't obviously give individual advice because we have to be general. We have an audience. So our advice is general, but we can see through this quote that you have to find its source. You, It's entirely a you-based task, right? You can have the structure, and I think it's a successful structure, but if you don't have an input to this entire system of how joy works to a stoic, then there can be no output. There can be no joy if you don't have a proper input that fits the system and is something you know you can always stand by. You know, will always make you decide to do actions that are right, actions that are good, will not lead you down a dark path, something that's wrong, something that you can't agree with. That's the right input, and you have to find that or else the system doesn't work. And I think that's something that I like to end with this quote on because while we give this advice and we have all these quotes and we have all these analogies, right? We don't know what you sitting, you know, driving and listening to this podcast or sitting down listening to this podcast. We don't know what the situation is that you're facing. And so you do. And so I think the thing that we can do and the thing that is most valuable to me about this episode is inspiring the confidence in you to be able to go out and find that source. Or more so go in, go within yourself and find that source. To go, just go find that source. We want to inspire the confidence because again, you know, you may view yourself as somebody who is not, you know, this intellectual person you may be you can be yourself in so many different ways but the objective reality is is no matter what you view of your intelligence you know more about yourself than anybody else and so you are more apt than anybody else to go find the source that will inspire you to feel joy and there are times where you're going to let people in who give you advice about what that input is what that source is and it's going to lead you on the wrong path and there's also going to be times that you know People give you good advice. There are going to be times where you feel like you've kind of lost that spark. And there are going to be times where you feel like this is just a renewed experience and you're more motivated than ever. And that's just the ups and downs of life. But the three, the kind of things that we talked about today, that confidence, awareness, emotional regulation, you know, purpose, those things are the unwavering facets of life. Those things, you know, they may change form 
in some way, but they're still there. There's never, if you establish that purpose, you establish that confidence, it's always there. And as we kind of wrap this episode up, that permanent joy is something that should absolutely be cherished. It's something that while Stoics didn't, you know, covet emotions, they didn't really um, like emotions all too much. Um, and modern Stoics haven't really changed in terms of a lot of these emotions. One thing that Stoics, especially Seneca, were quick to emphasize was the value of joy, the value of permanent joy. Because living life as a joyless experience is not, is not really worth it. If you live life without joy, it's a miserable experience. And so it's one of the most important things to covet and want. You know, Stoics talk about we shouldn't be materialistic, but I say we should strive for joy. If there's something, you know, that is kind of, you could say is sometimes a product of materials that you should covet, it is joy. And so we want to inspire that confidence in you to go find that source so that you can experience these great experiences, these great joyful experiences. Um, Don't put a time and date on finding your purpose. Don't put a time and date for you to establish confidence. Do those things now so you can put a time and date on finding permanent joy. And that was well said, and we referenced a lot of Seneca throughout this episode. Like you said, he was the forefather. He talked a lot about joy. And I, you know, think of it like this, right? So there will be times throughout your path, whatever it is, whoever you are, where you're at the highest of highs and where you're at the lowest of lows. But the way to remain joyful in these moments is to understand that you're content with where you are. Right. So I believe there's like a different like you said, there's the joyous celebration, but the celebration that implies there's a starting time and an ending time and then it sort of goes back down. So being joyful as a stoic means you're content with where you are and you're accepting of where you are and where you are going. So um, I guess sort of the last point that I was really going to make about joy was, like you said, go out and or more so go in. And find it. It's it's certainly a process, and it comes with experience. It comes with meeting new people. It comes with the ups. It comes with the downs. But being joyful, you know, you have to also accept the fact that you're going to experience very low lows where you see no joy in almost anything. And th- I'm not saying you have to hit rock bottom to find your purpose. That's certainly sort of where we established ours was when we were when we had little to nothing what it felt like little to nothing but stoicism was a great way out it was a great way forward if you don't know what direction you want to move in that's fine but moving any direction is better than staying in the same place that's all that is the advice i would give you if you don't know where to go at least take a step in any direction it's better than staying where you are and never taking the risk of being joyful um Marcus Aurelius, I remember in meditations, he talks about how, you know, tragedy and hardship and heartbreak, they all happen to good and bad people. Therefore, they are neither good or bad. They simply just are. They're a part of the human experience. They're a part of life. So accepting that fate, accepting those emotions, experiences will allow you to be more joyful throughout your life. Right. And You know, the last note I want to add is not really one that's, you know, like us, you know, doing the podcast original, is that I have recently come to find a book called A Guide to the Good Life, um, The Ancient Art of Stoic Joy. It's by William um, Baxton Irvine. I have not read it. I have read the online preview. It's about 10% of the book. But 
Um, I've heard great things about it. I will be reading it soon. Um, it's in very many libraries. And so I would encourage our audience if they want to hear more about Stoic Joy, if they want a 300-page report instead of just an hour podcast, check out that book. It's available for purchase. It's also um, free at many libraries. I will be reading that book very, very soon. And I will be probably commenting on it on the podcast itself. So just giving a heads up on a potential resource that I will also be reading if you'd like to connect with us and talk about that book. Be sure to hit us up. This is not an ad. This is just an honest review, and this is an honest... Yeah, this is just honestly what I'm doing with my life. Uh, no ads here. Just honesty. That's what we do here at the Gen Z Stoic. If you did want to sponsor us, that would be cool. But... <laughs> we'll see. But yes, uh, a good resource, and um, if you would like to discover more about Stoic Joy and how that's defined. But with that being said... I've been your co-host, Ren. I've been your co-host, Mateo. And thank you for listening, as always.